good afternoon, or good evening to you all, and welcome to episode two of Divine Interventions. I am your host, the Ninth Divine, and our guest to this episode is me. That's right. I'll be speaking to you directly this time around, and we have some interesting, nerdy, and geeky shit to talk about. So prepare your ear holes. It's about to get a little bumpy. First off, uh, Respawn Entertainment released Jedi Fallen Order on Steam this week. So far, it's rated very positive. I'm not sure if it's a game that we will be picking up just yet. I'm kind of going to wait a couple days and see what people think of it once they complete it. And I'm sure there have been a couple people who have already. I haven't looked into too much of the campaign, but you can also build your own lightsaber. And that's pretty fucking cool. Continuing on in uh, other news regarding to Star Wars, this week we have the rise of Disney Plus. So Disney began their streaming service uh, this week on the 12th, which counted 10 million subscribers in their first day with over 3.2 million downloads of the Disney Plus app, which is absolutely insane. Of course, it's Disney, so they have Marvel. Star Wars, they have a National Geographic series now. So that's the Disney Plus power there for you. Um, And I think a lot of people mainly got Disney Plus for The Mandalorian, which so far there are only two episodes, but it is very, very good. It's got a very Western type feel to it, but it still feels like the Star Wars universe. But it actually feels like a Star Wars show done right especially a live action star wars show uh john Fo- uh, john favreau sorry the director posted that season two is actually already in the works on uh, instagram so of course disney had the has the uh, funding so they are going to go ahead and do it there are lots of uh visual ties in terms of return of the jedi obviously the show is after the fall of the empire but before the rise of the first order so Again, very good. I highly recommend it. Uh, There were a scene or there was a scene in the first episode, and we won't go over into the actual show details. We will have a uh, podcast episode after the first season is over, in which case we'll discuss The Mandalorian in more depth. But I don't want to do that now, uh, just in terms of spoilers and speculation, because it's going to be a weekly episode type thing. It gives everybody enough time to talk amongst their friends and actually think about what's going to happen in the next episode. But in terms of the first episode, the visuals are absolutely incredible. There was a specific scene with a specific character who I will not mention any names or any details, but it was extremely difficult to discern whether or not that character was CGI or whether or not they were practical whether or not they were a little bit of both because it was so incredibly well done. And obviously in this day and age, that's that's just how it's going to be, especially with something like Star Wars. But so everything Star Wars so far, so good. Now we are about halfway through November and we are right around the corner from uh, episode nine the rise of Skywalker. 
again, directed by J.J. Abrams, just like uh, episode seven, The Force Awakens. I enjoyed The Force Awakens. I thought there were many aspects of the movie that were done properly. Um, I absolutely hated The Last Jedi. Now, I'm not going to say that there weren't aspects of The Last Jedi that I uh, didn't enjoy because there were for sure. But we're talking about serious questions that were asked in episode seven in terms of who Supreme Leader Snoke was. Obviously, he's the master of Kylo Ren. Why does he have a giant gash in his face? Who are Rey's parents? Considering he uh, he basically introduced the fact that she is either a, a, a Jedi or um perhaps a Jedi offspring or she's force sensitive, either one, because she picked up Luke's and Anakin's lightsaber and has all these visions and hears all these voices. Here's the words from Obi-Wan and the words from Obi-Wan are, these are your first steps that uh, you and McGregor actually went on set for episode seven to record that line specifically. And you can hear a little bit of Yoda. You can see the visuals in terms of the hallway um, where Luke and Darth Vader fought in episode five. So there are a lot of visuals and part of the storyline that I feel like they did really, really well in episode seven. So episode eight kind of left a bad taste in the mouth, at least for me and I know for some other people, because we just expected more. So we'll see. I'm really hoping that J.J. Abrams brings it all back together retcon some of the stupid shit that happened in episode eight because we have another thing where again tying back to race parentage episode eight kylo basically said hey fuck you your parents were nobodies and it seemed like ray at least in the movie kind of had a feeling like she obviously i mean from episode seven she obviously knew that her parents weren't coming back it seemed like it. And then in episode eight, they basically confirmed that. And Kylo said, and I quote, they were filthy junk traders who sold you off for drinking money, end quote, and then basically left her on Jakku. So I was hoping there was going to be more to that story. So maybe there's going to be some retconning there. I have no idea. We're going to we're going to end up finding out in the next couple weeks, but I'm excited. Um, in terms of episode eight, there was a lot of filler. There were pointless scenes, some pointless characters and pointless plot lines. And again, unanswered questions for the first off. And this is really nitpicky. The first one I had was in the very beginning where they dropped the bombs onto the uh, ships in space. You're, you're dropping bombs in, in zero gravity. What the fuck? <laughs> Again, that's extremely nitpicky, and I, I really won't do that for any other movie, but this was something that, yeah, it was not good for me. I, we're talking about a movie that actually had worse reviews than The Phantom Menace, at least on Rotten Tomatoes. We're talking Last Jedi was at a 44% audience score with about 200,000 people rating it. And then we have The Phantom Menace at 59% with 1.2 million ratings. I don't even know how The Last Jedi's ratings uh, count was that low. I really don't understand that, but I digress. So we go into episode eight. It's kind of a mess. It's kind of back and forth. We're not really sure what's going on. All of these questions that were answered 
or asked rather in episode seven are not being answered. We don't know who Snoke is still. Uh, first off, he was extremely easy to kill. Like, are you fucking kidding me? A little lightsaber simple trick. He's supposed to be this badass Sith Lord dude, the master of Kylo Ren, and he just fucking gets cut in half in literally like 30 seconds. It's it's that his death is that quick and disappointing. Now, the actual fight scenes. Awesome. Loved him again. Great cinematography, great score, but it's also John Williams. So, you know, you can't be surprised at that point. But in general, it just seemed like it was an okay movie. And I know a lot of people who I would uh, mention episode nine to and say, hey, have you seen the trailer for episode nine? They go, you know what? I'm not really going to watch it, you know, because they either watched episode eight and didn't like it or didn't hear good things about it and then just didn't want to watch it afterwards because they thought it was too far off the beaten path of the Star Wars franchise. And and I hate to say it, but I can kind of agree. So it really depends on who you talk to. Again, certain aspects of the movie, awesome. But the storyline just seemed to take a very odd turn. So I'm not sure where Ryan Johnson was trying to go with it. Um, But again, hopefully J.J. Abrams will bring it all back together and tie it up with a nice bow on top. So we'll see. I have a couple theories. Um, Obviously, uh, Palpatine is returning as the main villain. Of course, it all has to end with him being the original villain from the original prequels and the sequels. So I'm excited to see that. Um, I'm actually very glad that it seems like J.J. Abrams is tying Star Wars canon with the actual films, um, in this case being Operation Cinder, which was a contingency plan created by Palpatine to basically make sure that the Empire and its enemies did not outlive him if he should ever die. So we'll see where it goes. The trailers have done a very good job in terms of not giving away too much of the plot line. You can kind of pick out some details and make your own assumptions, but I don't feel like they've actually said, hey, look, this is what's going to happen. This what this is what needs to happen, etc. Um, I've seen a couple uh, videos basically, uh, I guess, from new rock stars, for example, basically wondering what certain artifacts are or what certain items are in the trailer. And again, they've done a very good job in terms of hiding them away. So you have to see the movie to get those answers. But there's a very interesting theory in one of the scenes from the most recent trailer, the second trailer, it shows Ray and Kylo next to each other. And they're both they both have their lightsabers ignited. And it seems like they chopped down some sort of a a statue or something. We're not sure what it is. But in Ray's hand, you can see what is very clearly a sharp dagger. And a couple people have thought that this is the Dagger of Mortis, um, which is an artifact from the animated series The Clone Wars um, from, I believe it was the Mortis Trilogy. It was uh, three episodes basically about this mysterious force artifact that basically is super fucking powerful and could actually put an end to Palpatine once and for all. So I'm curious to see if we're going to see that or if that's actually the artifact 
itself. I'm not sure. There are only a couple theories again, and I haven't really looked into it too far because I don't, I don't want to, but in terms of other Star Wars news, we have a lot of Star Wars news, and then I'm going to go into something else because of the storyline of Episode Eight, um, and in terms of uh, some other, another show, for example. So we do have, of course, Episode Nine coming up. We won't get into that too much. Um, the D23 Expo in August did finally reveal a Star Wars timeline or a full Star Wars timeline, including an untitled series of the Rebel Captain uh, Captain from Rogue One, Cassian Andor. So obviously that will show his beginnings of the Rebellion and his rank up to Captain and probably some dealings with Jyn Erso and or rather Galen Erso, her father, I would assume. But again, we'll see how that all turns out. I don't we haven't heard too much about that. Obviously, it's going to be the same guy from Rogue One. Um, maybe Mads Mikkelsen will be in there as well to reprise his role, his role as Galen Urso, but I haven't heard too much about it, so we'll see. In uh, other news regarding D23, um, it is finally confirmed, and this is a couple weeks old, obviously, since it was August, but I will play a little bit of an excerpt. Um, Ewan McGregor did come out on stage and uh, I'll go ahead and play the interaction between him and the president of Lucasfilm, Kathleen Kennedy. So uh, here's what that sounded like. Kathleen, Kathleen, can you ask me in front of all of these people, all of these witnesses, can you please ask me, am I going to play Obi-Wan Kenobi again? Ewan? Yes? Are you going to play Obi-Wan Kenobi again? Yes. <laughs> so I absolutely love Ewan McGregor's enthusiasm, and you can see it in the video, and I'll go ahead and link it down below. It's actually a clip from IGN from D23. You can see the enthusiasm in his face, and you can hear it in his voice that he's actually thrilled to return as Obi-Wan for a Kenobi series. Honestly, it would have been a fantastic opportunity to come out on stage and say hello there, or just be asked, say no, and then leave. But we'll see. Uh, a few years ago, there was actually an interview with him. And even in January 2018, uh, somebody asked him backstage about the show. And if he wanted to do it, of course, he said he'd be happy to. But he also said that he didn't know anything more about it than we or the general public did, of course. Now we know that they've been discussing it for quite some time. Um, it does have a script. We were informed of that as well. Um, it does start production in 2020. The timeline is actually during the time period kind of in between where the Solo movie took place. Um, I had to double check the graphic that Disney put up on screen, but it kind of shows Solo starting and ending at one point, obviously because there's a, a time gap at some point in the movie. And the actual little... Uh, kind of arrow pointing to where it takes place is right in between the beginning of Solo and the end of Solo. So I'm not sure exactly where they're going to go with that, but I hope it's going to be good. Um, of course, it's also going to be somewhat in between or after Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope, similar to Rogue One. And 
I'm really hoping that we're going to be able to really follow Obi-Wan into his essentially spiral into exile because he's got this, this incredible survivor's guilt. And I'm also um, wondering if we're going to see some force ghost Qui-Gon Jinn, considering at the end of uh, Revenge of the Sith, Yoda told Obi-Wan that he would teach him how to commune with his old master, and Obi-Wan says Qui-Gon. So I'm hoping that we're going to be able to get to see that. That would be super, super awesome. But you never know where they're going to go with it. Um, obviously, the Mandalorian, great so far. So hopefully it's um, done the same. Again, I don't know exactly who's doing the score for the Mandalorian, but it's also, again, very Western. So it's not quite Star Wars music, but we'll see. I'm I'm excited. I'm, I'm definitely excited. I want to see Ewan McGregor return as Obi-Wan hands down. So that is happening 2020. I don't know when the release date of the show is going to be, but that's also going to be uh, able to be streamed on Disney Plus, of course. So in terms of storyline, we also have a movie between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope, like Rogue One. Obviously, and Rogue One personally will probably be one of the best Star Wars movies I have ever watched or probably exists in the world ever, hands down, because of the cinematography, because of the score, the script. Everything was incredibly well done, and with a few cameos, actually. Um, director of Rogue One, uh, Gareth Edwards, is actually the one to run down the hall at the very end of the movie and pull the lever to detach the Tantive Four and therefore escape from the Empire. And actually, in an interview, it was very funny because he actually basically said, hey, if it wasn't for that guy, maybe there'd be no Star Wars. And he's, I mean, he's kind of right. Obviously, it's a little gratuitous, but that's okay. So... Rogue One, excellent. Obviously, it's been out for a couple years now, but I can't get over how amazing it is, how well shot, well scripted, well scored. And it's not scored by uh, by John Williams either. It's actually scored by Michael uh, Giacchino, who did Star Trek and Star Trek II, or Star Trek from 2009, and then the Star Trek Into Darkness, the J.J. Abrams movies. So, again hoping that everything turns out well in those it's disney i don't really have too much doubt but we'll just have to see where they go with it um i was recognizing or realizing something the other day in terms of the rise of emperor palpatine obviously again the og villain who started everything um episode one uh, the phantom menace is roughly 10 years before attack of the clones so his rise to power began presumably with Sifo Dias's uh, request of a clone army to the Kaminoans. Um, so that's something just to consider. And we know that it's basically 10 years apart because of Attack of the Clones. When Anakin mentions to Obi-Wan about Padme, he says, I haven't seen her in 10 years. And presumably the last time that he saw her was sometime around the very, very end of Phantom Menace, Phantom Menace when he begins his training at the Jedi Temple. So that's that. But um, we're going to go ahead and uh, wait. I'm eager to see where the Star Wars story goes. Again, 
episode nine is going to be obviously the last in the Star Wars saga. So fingers freaking crossed. Um, in other news, the reason why I wanted to talk about that a little bit was because um, obviously we have one, two, three, four, five, and six, or four, five, six, one, two, three. We have seven and then eight. Um, and a lot of people have obviously, you know, would have some judgment in terms of one, two, and three. Like, for example, probably one of the most notable is, is Anakin saying, I don't want to be a problem. And then Qui-Gon saying, you won't be, Annie. And then, of course, years later, Anakin kills most of the younglings in the Jedi Temple. But hey, different story. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's basically all the thoughts I have on Star Wars and the storyline that they're going to go with. But, again, hopefully they do it. And episode uh, eight as well, with a very notable character, Finn, who basically started everything in episode seven as the rebel stormtrooper. In episode eight, and spoilers ahead, if you guys haven't watched episode eight, or sorry, there I guess there were spoilers, but if you haven't seen The Last Jedi by now, I mean, come on, it came out like two years ago, guys. <laughs> but he had a scene in episode eight where he was basically going to sacrifice himself in order to save the rebellion. And this other character basically stops him from doing that and at that point when i was watching the movie in the theater i was kind of like you know what maybe this is a good this maybe this is a good time for finn to end it all so the rebellion can live on because if not then it's all over anyways right at least that's what you think because you have no idea what's going to happen but then this other character rose comes in and nothing against the actress for rose obviously but i don't know where her character really fitted in the movie. It was very strange. So she flies her ship or little uh, speeder land speeder thing into Finn's and says, that's how we're going to win by, I believe she says by not by fighting those we hate, but by saving what we love or something like that. And everybody in the theater, I felt like there was a collective. What? what does that even mean but uh, that's yeah <laughs> there are there are so many things wrong with the last jedi purpose uh at least personally for me and i talked to my boss about last jedi as well i talked to other people other just general star wars fans about it as well and this is why good storylines are so fucking important especially in massive franchises like star wars and now i won't lie i had really high hopes for episode eight because i thought okay well they're only going to continue this from episode seven further we're going to get some answers as to who you know ray is why she has force powers uh how you know uh people uh, just yeah so many questions that were never answered and this is why i want to segue into why storylines are so goddamn important because we have something else that ended this year and that would be game of thrones now if you guys haven't read the books or watched the shows warning there are spoilers ahead so my biggest problem 
with the end was Jon Snow's character arc. Now, there are multiple character arcs that the writers, uh, David Benioff and D.B. Weiss, completely fucking threw out the window, which enrages me to a stupid amount. So we're talking about Jon Snow, who, if you are aware, is the son of Rhaegar Targaryen and Lyanna Stark when they got secretly married and had a son. Uh, Lyanna Stark ended up dying, but he she had passed the word along to Ned Stark that, that if if anybody knew who Jon Snow really was, if anybody knew he was actually Aegon Targaryen, they would want to kill him because he's a Targaryen. He starts as a bastard, or I'll give the literal definition, as a person born of parents not married to each other. Um, or rather, you, you think he starts as a bastard. And he ends up being this touted hero. He's supposed to be the overall badass of the storyline to bring an end to the long night and to bring an end to evil. And anytime Varys or anybody tells him, hey, the throne is yours, dude, it's basically, you know, Daenerys isn't the true heir. You are the true heir. And he knows in his heart, and he comes to accept the fact that he is Rhaegar, uh, I'm sorry, Aegon Targaryen. But anytime anybody says, hey, um, you're, you're kind of the heir, he just says four words. Ready? He just says, I don't want it. Literally, it's literally the only thing he says in all of season eight, when he's basically offered the throne or told that the throne should be his. And even if he doesn't want it, I mean, we still expect more because at the very end, he just ends up becoming a hermit. Truly, he actually ends up taken off into the forest after being, you know, partially imprisoned for just a little bit. <laughs> but again, that's neither here nor there. And then we have another character arc like Daenerys Targaryen, who literally was a leader for so long throughout the course of the show where she didn't want to become somebody like Cersei Lannister, for example. But then in episode four, I believe, or the episode called The Bells, she literally burns down the whole city at the sound of a bell. And at that point, it was like, hang, hang on, why? Where the fuck did this come from? And I'll make a quick note. There were six episodes in season eight, seven episodes in season seven, and 10 episodes from season one through season six. Now, the show was obviously extremely, extremely rushed. Now, there are a couple people who say, well, maybe it was rushed so they could fit in uh, all the episodes before the award shows. But we already know that funding was acquired for more episodes, so why didn't they do more? Why didn't they do more? If they had gone with this plotline, we needed a better character arc instead of an overnight change between somebody's mental state and then somebody going crazy bitch, which is basically what happened with Daenerys. Because at one point in an episode, they say, Varys specifically says, oh, she hasn't seen anybody, she's not eating, just like that. It happens literally at the end of one episode between the beginning of a next episode. It's that fast. And it's so utterly fucking stupid. Her death, even more stupid. 
even more stupid. And there's a video that I will uh, put down in the episode details called How the Finale of Game of Thrones Ruined My Life. And it is absolutely incredible. Um, Lots of curse words, still very funny. Anybody who is disappointed by the end of Game of Thrones or any Game of Thrones fan should still watch it because it is hilarious. Um, Basically, the writer of the video or the creator of the video refers to... um, (laughs) <laughs> Daenerys as crazy bitch the entire time and then to John as sad boy which is I mean it's accurate um so yeah the the last three episodes um had horrible just the reviews were just completely tanked after the last three episodes um and they were long episodes but they still had way too much crammed into them in a in a short period of time um, reportedly the books aren't going to end too much differently from the actual show, but I still feel like that kind of, um, I feel like that kind of forced, uh, the writer's hands because they just wanted to cram so much in. And obviously we don't have the completed books by George R. R. Martin just yet. So they kind of had to go their own route, but I feel like they royally fucked it. Um, in terms of those writers, um, it also maybe sounds like they had rushed the ending of Game of Thrones because of an eagerness to start on Star Wars, as they were originally in talks with Lucasfilm on doing a Star Wars movie or a Star Wars show. I can't remember exactly what it was, but they were going to take part in the franchise. And originally I thought, wow, that's going to be, and this was before the last three or the last couple episodes of season eight. I was like, wow, that's going to be fucking awesome because we've seen what they've done with Game of Thrones. And then at the end of Game of Thrones, I was like, I don't fucking want these guys anywhere near Star Wars. And I'm hoping that Lucasfilm had the same idea. Um, They had actually confirmed by Lucasfilm that at least for the moment they've temporarily close the door on D&D because uh, D&D have signed a $200 million deal with Netflix um, that hasn't been reported to have anything specific in it just yet besides TV shows and movies. So we'll see where it goes. Obviously, they were with HBO for a little over 10 years. But again, um, I'm hoping that Lucasfilm realized how fragile of a franchise star wars is we're talking about something that's been around since the 70s and was literally a worldwide phenomenon so i don't know where exactly it's going to go from there i'm again i'm hoping lucasfilm says you know what we're gonna go ahead and shoot this over to some other directors or writers because uh, personally, and I know a couple other people feel the same. I don't want D and D near Star Wars anymore after the end. So, um, the reason I bring up stories is because we're talking about an amazing series like Star Wars, and then also an amazing series like Game of Thrones that had these important character arcs. Uh, again, Episode Eight compared to Season Eight. Coincidence with the number eights? I think not. Where. We have another guy, for example, Jamie Lannister, uh, a bad dude originally, you know, with a, a major character arc through the rest of the show, prompt undoubtedly one of the best character arcs for quite a while until the final episodes where he becomes a piece of shit again. Of course, we're talking about season one 
where he pushes Bran out a window and changes his life, uh, arguably for better or for worse. Um, guards Brienne of Tarth, helps Brienne of Tarth. They have a, a somewhat of a relationship throughout the majority of the show until last couple of episodes of the show in season eight. And then at the very end, he tells Brienne of Tarth that he's actually not a good guy, returns to Cersei, or the, um, and to, to quote that, how Game of Thrones ruined my life, he returns to the person that he had, quote, incest mongoloid babies with, <laughs> end quote, which is exactly from that video. Again, I'll link it uh, down below in the show notes. And then they're holding and embracing together underneath the Red Keep uh, in the episode The Bells where Daenerys goes crazy bitch and burns the whole city alive. And they just get buried by rubble. And that's it. And you're thinking, why? We're talking Cersei. Obviously, Lena Headey did an amazing job playing Cersei. And there was good progression with her character. But it kind of the very end, it was like she had known that the whole world was collapsing in around her. But fans, I'd say, definitely expected a better ending for someone truly so evil. I mean, she did start wars. She did have people killed on purpose. Obviously, she lost a lot of people too. And then another thing I wanted to bring out was Game of Thrones completely threw, threw away any ideas of prophecy. And that's something that I was super disappointed in because we were told throughout the show that there was a prophecy as to who uh, the badass was going to be, a.k.a. Jon Snow, who was going to win, a.k.a. Jon Snow, um, how Cersei was going to die. She apparently was going to die by the hands of the Valonqar. Valonqar meaning little brother. But obviously, Tyrion did not kill her. Jaime did not kill her. A brick killed her. Literally bricks killed Cersei. Possibly the dumbest way for such an evil character to end, but the show is already over. So there's no, there's no going back on it, unfortunately. But I wanted to bring that up because there is a writer named John Turby, and he wrote a book called The Anatomy of a Story. And he says, quote, Character change doesn't happen at the end of the story. It happens at the beginning. More precisely, it is made possible at the beginning by how you set it up. In other words, the main character doesn't suddenly flip to being someone else. The main character completes a process which has been occurring throughout the story of becoming who he, she is in a deeper and more focused way. End quote. So, in terms of bringing it all back together, we have Star Wars, Season 7, or I'm sorry, Episode 7, good. Episode 8, meh. Episode 9, hopefully, brings it all together and finally finishes it off because, again, it's the last movie of the Skywalker saga. But that's that's basically it, uh, guys. We've basically gone through all the time that we have for this week's episode. Um, next week, we will most likely have a guest, and it will go live sometime in the evening on Saturday the 23rd. As usual, you can find all social media links down below in the episode details. The podcast is now live on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Podcasts with more platforms to come further. But until next time, this has been a divine intervention, 
and may Talos be with you.